1: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE. Transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ed Kless with my good friend and co-host, Ron Baker, and on today's show, folks, we are honored to have back with us for a third time, Doug Sleater.
2: How's it going, Ron? Welcome from the bunker, Ed.
1: (laughs) The Great Suppression continues. Uh, what is this day?
2: Thirty something, forty? I lost count.
1: Yeah, I I don't know when you want to. See. Yeah, I mean, there's no official start date either. So, true. Yeah, but I have a life changing new addition to the the show here, and that is I, I installed my boom microphone this week.
2: I saw well, that. That's impressive.
1: Uh, it is. It makes me very feel very official. Yeah,
2: and are <laughs> you standing up at your desk?
1: I am. I'm standing up at my yeah. standing desk. Yeah. So it's it's cool. it's uh, been some major changes here at the at the the um, uh, Allen and Alan and office of uh, the Soul of Enterprise. <laughs> well, I'm excited. But let's to bring guest. Yes. Yeah. Let's bring Doug yeah. right on. Doug, welcome back to the show.
0: Hi. How you doing? Good to good to talk to both of you again.
1: Yes, and you have been on twice before, and you were, the I think the 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 guest that we had on in closest proximity. We had you on like one week, and then then I think there might have been a break when you had on the immediately right after that because we were at the time so fascinated by blockchain and Bitcoin and what was going on there. Seems like that was like an eon ago, doesn't it, Doug? For sure. I mean,
0: it's uh, if you really think about how fast it's going with blockchain, digital currency. You know, Bitcoin uh, up and down. It seems like it, we've been talking about it forever already, but I know a lot of people probably are still just kind of coming up to speed on it. So that's fair.
1: Well, and as one one of the things I think that we've we've previously talked about the as it we don't talk about it, it still embeds itself deeper and deeper into the technology stack, and we don't even realize it. Right? So yes, that's. that's one, one of the things. So we'll sure talk to you about that. But Doug, before we get into the, the, the details of that, just remind people, for those who don't know uh, who you are, we have a huge audience amongst the the, the the former folks who used to go to your conference. But there might be, you know, one or two of them out there who are like, who's this Doug Sleater guy?
0: Yeah, well, started a company in 1994 called the Sleater Group. Couldn't think of a better name. That's my name. Uh, we were really helping accountants learn more about accounting software technology. Uh, My background before that was Apple and Adobe, and and so computer science and accounting is kind of what I uh, combined to make a a consulting company that did large events, uh, educational events for accountants, and that's where I met you, Ed, and Ron. Uh, We have big uh, conferences in in Vegas where we would uh, showcase all of the accounting software solutions And uh, in 2015, I sold the company, so I've been kind of retired for five years. And that's really allowed me to kind of dig my brain a little bit into this, what's next? What's the big next thing? And I really think it is blockchain technologies and digital currencies. I'm still very in on Bitcoin specifically, but then there's a lot of surrounding digital currencies that we can talk about too and the emergence of this new thing called stable coins uh, we can talk about, Uh, but that's kind of me in a nutshell.
1: Well, let's do a quick update on on where you're seeing blockchain first, before we get into the specifics of Bitcoin or any other digital currencies. What's, What's your latest thinking around where blockchain is today?
0: Well, I think when we last talked, it was like, okay, Doug, what should we do today Now that we know sort of what this thing called blockchain is, what should we go do? And my answer was, well, not much. Uh, It's going to come. And, you know, there are several use cases and all. Well, now I guess that was two years ago. uh, Companies like IBM are starting to really put blockchain technology into like food safety. Um, Considering the importance of, especially with this COVID-19 virus we have right now and, and, you know, we're, What's this, April of 2020? We're, we're recording this. Um, COVID 19 has uh, got us all locked down. So, okay, so we're locked down. And I think the next phase will be okay, now we're, are we going to trust our food? Since some people think it was at least partially introduced by some food or animal-borne uh, disease. Anyway, so will we trust the food in the long range? in the market, in the supermarkets. And uh, so IBM is doing this uh, blockchain technology around um, uh, food safety where they're gonna allow all the way from the seeds to the, to the farms, to the pickers, to the packers, to the shippers, all the way to the uh, point of sale uh, and using blockchain technology to track all of the different uh, important data that must be kept on the, the food and, and that's mostly the safety stuff. So that's a good example of great usage of the technology that's blockchain because it's immutable. Uh, you can't go in and hack it. It is public and it's permanent. Um, the other important thing about blockchain technology is that order counts. It's not just a database. It's a database that enforces order in what came first and what came next. And I think that's a critical reason why I'm so excited about blockchain.
1: And I, I know there was a use case with TUNA for a while and to, to ensure that it was fresh caught rather than, uh, or I, I forget what the, the, the scenario was, but we're not talking about, you know, internet of things around seeds here, are we? I mean, it, it, obviously not every seed is going to get a, a RFID chip. It's, it's really more the, the process uh, and production stage of things, correct?
0: I would think so. And, I, you know, I'm not an ex- expert on exactly where they're going to apply this. But because what I see at this stage is, okay, a company as large as IBM is going to go to work on this problem and they've got, you know, the, a quote from one of the articles I read uh, from their site is, food trust is the only uh, network, uh, it's, they, they have a network called food trust. It's the only network of its kind to protect, to connect participants across the food supply through a permissioned permanent and shared record of food system data. And and so that's a very broad statement. See, that, so they might do something with seeds, who knows, but I don't know how you would do RFID in a in a seed so
1: <laughs> right right and all that and that's what I'm thinking of this more process oriented and look this is still a big deal I right. uh, you may have come across this week that there was the processing plant in South Dakota was it that where five percent of our pork comes from that yeah. 300 of the the team members there ended up with COVID so clearly a concern especially in something that as you yeah. said, might have been born of, of fr- from a food standpoint, although we don't know if it, if, if it can trans-, trans be transmitted directly in, in the food supply.
0: Yeah, yeah. The other uh, area that I think is a good use case here is beyond food supply is sort of our own personal health data. You know, you're going to go to an airport uh, when they finally open them up I don't think they're going to really open them up until they have some way of ensuring that when you go through that security check, that you're clean, uh, you're not, that you're healthy. So how are they going to do that? Um, I think, you know, the first thing I imagine is that some entrepreneurial soul out there will realize that there's a huge opportunity in this COVID-19 outbreak. And at least one that I came up with uh, some sort of, registry, if you will, where I can um, prove or I can put into my data, this is me, I've been tested on this date and I'm clean and I have the antibodies or all of the other medical important data that can then be, um, I imagine it'd be a a blockchain database that anybody can query at any time, instant results, global, um, and maybe TSA would tap into that. For, for, the, uh, for the flights, but then you can imagine commercial buildings or government buildings or, or any places where there's large gatherings, uh, you'd have to sort of prove that you're clean. Um,
1: well, it scares me, scares me a little bit, but, but, I, but I do think <laughs> that, that there, it could be a combination of things where it's, it's similar to our fingerprint and, and or our facial recognition that we see on our, our mobile devices today that yeah. that stuff is stored locally on the device and we can make sure that it's not something that the government is keeping us keep, keeping us in track. You know, I, and, I, and I've, I'm on record as saying this, but I, I, I certainly think that we need airport security, but mm-hmm. I think it should be run by the airlines, not the government.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more. The, uh, yeah, so <laughs> it is what it is now and we're not changing that soon, but I agree that it's kind of scary. It's Big Brother-ish. What we're doing in the name of emergencies to create to to reduce all of our freedoms, uh, just give them check them at the door kind of thing, and then will they ever be, come back to us? So I'm concerned about that. That seems like a whole different show we could do about. How
1: we, <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm just suggesting that it, that that blockchain may, might be the partial answer to to keeping that data in a in a sense at least private because yeah. you could, you, it could be tokenized where, where it, that you would preserve your anonymity yet it would we would also have the security which is part of the promise of blockchain
0: yeah the whole pseudonymous thing where I can have I can share data with you or anybody that I specifically say which data is shared and which data remains private to me um, and that's why again it's just so compelling this this underlying technology is so compelling relative to Any of the other record keeping things we've had over the years, over the whole of human history, imagine how much data on you is in the uh, county records, you know, about your birth certificate and all that stuff. Well, that doesn't need to be there. If we only had a database that was global, that I could selectively expose pieces of that information at my option.
1: Right, and that, and that's really the key there. That last thing you said, which is at my option, and and I think that's that's what we all want. I mean, just even even with companies as well. Like I said, I I, I tend right. to trust the, the the private sector slightly more than the public sector, just because I if it, as a customer, I can I can change. Whereas as a citizen, I'm pretty stuck. I guess I could move to a different country, but
0: yeah, that often doesn't solve it.
1: <laughs> <That's> true, <not laughs> very good. Choice. True enough. Well, we're up against our first break. want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes and previews to upcoming shows well as our calendar, which we're trying to get better at keeping you abreast of what are the long-range plans for the show and any appearances that we have, although in the age of COVID, that's not many. Uh, And also our great archive page, where we have all 280-plus previous episodes you can listen to on the page. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients.
3: commercial free version of the soul of enterprise go to patreon.com slash tsoe and subscribe now we're always talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
4: we're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Good
2: back, everybody. We're here for the third time with Doug Sleeter And Doug, I just want to kind of follow up on what you were talking about with Ed about blockchain since we had you on several years ago, I think it was. Um, you know, Bill Gates has got that famous line, we overestimate technology to its short-term impact and underestimate its long-term impact. Have we hit the long-term impact yet with Bitcoin or are we still kind of in the experimental early yeah. stages?
0: That's yeah, a, actually a good point, good question, good sort of rhetorical question. I don't think we're anywhere close, my, my opinion is, we're anywhere close to the long-term impact. Things are being built all around us um, And many of us don't even know about the products or the services or the underlying, uh, call it pipeline or plumbing, that might be using blockchain technology. Um, But I think there's still a lot to be built out and a lot of data, if you will, to be added to blockchain solutions. Um, Let me just take one example. Um, Let's say blockchain is a good exam, a good uh, use case for property uh, um, d- deeds of, uh, you know, uh, land, land deeds, what am sure. I trying to say? Uh, instead of the county records for your, for your uh, property records, the blockchain could be this global database of all this. Stuff. Let's say that we agree that that would be a good use case. Okay, going to work on that problem is a pretty big undertaking. Um, because you've got to go back in history uh, or or if you wanted to just start today uh, and put all the data about this property, the the measurements of it, the locations of it, the uh, rights, uh, water rights, and just imagine all of the different nuance of a piece of properties uh, data. Uh, You'd have to get that populated into a blockchain database. And then, you know, the question would be, well, what if somebody came – and wanted to buy something, and it wasn't in blockchain because it just hadn't been added yet. And so, getting over the hump is going to be hard. Uh, but I, but it's a good example of how the long term hasn't even begun to be realized.
2: Right. I mean, you know, George Gilder talks about it being you know the seventh layer of the internet, that trust and transactions layer, and that just means it's going to be built into the architecture. But right. do you see to get us over that hump? Will this need to be taken on by a company like a? Amazon, Google, Facebook, combination thereof, to kind of democratize it and make it more understandable? Or is it something that will just be layered on to the internet and we'll never talk about it, just like we don't talk about the seven layers of the internet?
0: Well, okay. I think both of what you're saying are uh, the answer is yes to, but on two completely different levels. Let's call it the plumbing level and the application level. Applications are like what I was just talking about with the um, with the property records database. That's an application of this technology. The plumbing level is all the how many blockchains are there? Are there private or public blockchains? What kind of data is on this blockchain versus that blockchain? Are are they using the Bitcoin Bitcoin uh, blockchain or you know the Ether? Um, so what I'm getting at is that the plumbing is all being built but the applications are the ones that are going to take longer now on the applications does it because i've been pondering the same thing that your question kind of implies is you know when google built google earth and google maps for every square inch of the earth they did that on their own with their own funding with no revenue model and they did it seemingly overnight. I mean, how long did it take from when they started that project to when it went live?
4: Right. Um,
0: very, very quickly. And and so they could do that because they're Google. Uh, how could an entrepreneur go do that? I don't see how. Uh, so I guess I'm kind of saying, yeah, I believe the bigger company are going to probably jump in here. Um, but I guess it remains to be seen who's going to do what.
2: Did you have an opinion on Facebook's Libra?
0: Uh, at first I was like, oh no. <laughs> um, because I, I'm kind of all in with Bitcoin and I don't think we need another one kind of thing. And then I guess uh, I'm, 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 I'm kind of in the middle now. I don't, I don't really know what the use case is beyond just because they can control it. And they can embed it easier. And I don't know. Um, the To me, the purity of the Bitcoin digital currency is that it isn't owned by anyone or controlled by anyone. It is absolutely global and immutable and uncontrollable by even the largest governments. And I love that.
2: Yeah, agreed. Distributed, right? <laughs> yeah, distributed. yeah, yep. Versus, There's no honeypot to hack into but, right. you know.
0: <laughs> right. Even Ethereum, you know, which is also a wonderful solution for, you know, contracts that need to be kind of digitized and, and put into the blockchain. Well, that's that's their own blockchain that is controlled by a company and there was a problem and they went in and they changed the history in the in the in the um, Ethereum blockchain. So yikes. It was for good, maybe, I assume, you know, there was some problem that they fixed. Um, and certainly I can imagine that we're going to always have problems that need fixing in whatever system it, mistakes are made and how do you undo mistakes and all. Um, but the purity of the Bitcoin blockchain is the mistakes go go along for the ride and There's no changing a mistake. There's only amending it. Similar to the way that we learned in accounting, you know, in the general ledger, you you do an adjusting entry, you don't undo an, an entry. You add to the chain of events, the adjustment, which is undoing what was wrong and redoing something that's right.
2: Right. Since we last spoke... Have you changed your mind or evolved your thinking about Bitcoin or blockchain?
0: Well, oh, yeah, in a big way. Uh, well, in, uh, yo, yes and no, I guess. So the yes part is there's this new thing that's come out maybe in the last year, which is the stable coin. Um, the reason I think Bitcoin and any digital currency is not really has not really taken off in business transactions, business-to-business or consumer-to-business or vice versa transactions is because it's slow and uh, there's not many um, uh, people that accept it. And Why why wouldn't a business accept Bitcoin for payment for a service or a product? Well, because even if they can figure out how to do the technology of receiving, and there's a lot of services now that allow you to accept Bitcoin, i now have Bitcoin on the minute you pay me and Bitcoin's price is just all over the map. It's a bucking Bronco. <laughs> uh, so if I get one Bitcoin from you today, I think it's $7,000. Uh, but last month it was $6,000 and the year month before that it was $12,000. So one Bitcoin, of course you can divide into nano coins, tiny, tiny percentages of coin for payments, but people, a business cannot take the uh, capital risk, if you will, the um, fluctuation of the the value of the currency risk uh, by accepting Bitcoin. So stable coins have been invented, which is basically an Ethereum-based thing where as soon as I collect a Bitcoin, I can instantly convert it to a stable coin. So there's one USDC is a US dollar coin. Uh, I can instantly convert my Bitcoin that, that, that my customer pays me into a stable coin a USDC and so that stops the um, the risk of changing price of Bitcoin and now I just found I have that many dollars and that's still a digital currency but is tied to the value of the US dollar um, So then I can use that either to convert it back into actual dollars in my bank, or I can use that digital currency that is dollar valued to go and purchase something. So I think that's really gonna help businesses with embracing this and uh, accepting payment by Bitcoin and maybe using, um, uh, well, digital currency, I'll say, not necessarily Bitcoin, uh, always, but th- they'll embrace the idea of going digital with payments, both receiving and paying.
2: Right, right. They've got to work out that volatility and value because one of the traits of a currency is store value and that can't, you know, like a measuring stick, that's got to be stable. <laughs> you can't float the ruler, you know, 12 inches has to be 12 inches.
0: Yeah. And that's always bothered me because, you know, it's all about what do you, what do you hold constant when you measure the change. If right. the constant is the U.S. dollar, well, that's because our frame of reference is the U.S. dollar is what's valued. Well, maybe there'll be a day when everything will be valued in units of Bitcoin instead of dollar because everybody will all everyone globally will accept the value of a Bitcoin. Uh, and, oh, you want a U.S. dollar? Okay, fine. Well, that's how many, how many bitcoins is that?
2: Of how <laughs> I love that joke. That can't, Dad, can I have five bucks? In Bitcoin, three fifty. What do you need a dollar for?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, well, we've only got a couple minutes, Doug, but I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over here, pivot to COVID for a minute because you've been talking since I've known you about big bad data, and boy, are we getting a real live example of that with just the numbers that you know these various websites are tracking on COVID: number of cases, number of deaths, mortality. What's your take on all this? Does it just confirm your priors about how dangerous big bad data can be?
0: Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought it up. I mean, I am just beside myself with how it's all about the denominator. Uh, when they say it's this percent fatal or that percent of the population is is, is diagnosed, the, the fact is nobody knows. What they're talking about, they're only citing numbers. The numbers are just data. They're just data points. They're not – data is inert by itself. It's like I say a million. What does a million mean to you? It's just a number. It means nothing. Uh, It's just data. It's inert. But information then, well, oh, it's a million, what, a million diagnosed cases? A million deaths? oh, well, now that's information that we can begin to understand. Okay, now that's, but in itself, it's still, it it doesn't tell us much. What we need is really like contextualization of whatever this data is that is now data point million, uh, million people are diagnosed. That's a little bit more, but, and the thing is, we're just wrapping ourselves around these scary things, which are numbers being thrown out as, data without context and the purpose of it is to scare the shit out of everybody and And, i just think that's not good this is not going to end well
2: and we throw that data which is only about the past into these models that try and project the future and garbage in garbage out yep i couldn't agree more it's a whole nother show probably but maybe ed will go down that road with you but unfortunately we're up against our break and folks we would like to remind you Go out to rate this TSOE. Give us a rating. Check out the soul of enterprise.com for full show notes with our interview with Doug. And now we want to hear from our sponsors.
1: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients.
3: Commercials plus bonus content. Go to Patreon.com/tsoe. Subscribe now and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
4: we're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are talking
1: all things technology, blockchain, COVID with Doug Sleeter, who's our guest for the third time here on The Soul of Enterprise. And Doug, you talking a little bit about with Ron about big bad data and just, just want to clarify something. I, I don't think any of the three of us believe that, that, that COVID was no big deal or just as bad or less than the flu. I, th- I think it's, it's clear that there was something more going on. And a lot, of, a lot of what you said is, hey, the unknowns with the data are a problem. But re- recent study that was done by Stanford, I think this is research that's just coming in, so it has not yet been evaluated from a clinical standpoint or, or peer review, but you were talking about that denominator and it it says that, you know, that we could have missed this denominator in terms of total number of cases by, by somewhere between 50 and perhaps even 80 times. And once you start throwing those numbers in and then rerunning your claims. Now I know some of those things were already factored in, but I I just want to get your, your take on this. We've seen this type of thing over and over again in the accounting profession from a big, bad data perspective. And Ron and I have done shows on this where most of the stuff that people like to flock as scientific in in business are just simply complete as you say BS. Yeah. So um, it, it, again this is it, it's furthering your point but what what are you, what are your thoughts on on this? This is I think something that we have to be on the lookout for not just for covid but just from a business perspective.
0: Well, yeah, business and and sort of the cultural perspective too because we're all buying into this was terrible. And to go back to your first point, yeah, I agree. This is a big deal, this, this virus thing, and it's more virulent and more spreading and all sorts. No, not to take any of those things away, because I trust the scientists and the immunologists about that. So, yeah, put that on the shelf for a minute, but let's talk about this long-term. Well, when, we, when we figure out how to immunize people and get you know, get past it, What has it done along the way to the way we consume information and the way we trust information and the way we report information and the way we just go off to the races with whatever little data, data factoid we can find and it fits our point of view. And so we just pass it on. And I think that's the biggest problem that we're going to see. No, we actually the problem is people won't see it. They they need to be woken up to, hey, guys, you've been duped. You've been given emotionally charged information that somebody interpreted for you to tell you how you should feel about it. And so that you should be scared. And so you should change your life so that forever in the future, we now have this no cultural norm all because of this. It's like, that's pretty big deal.
1: Yeah, true, truly is. And I, I, I do think that we hopefully will learn some some lessons f- from this. Although I, I, I do fear that we won't learn them as well as I, I would hope. Doug, I've only got a, a, about 10 minutes left with you, maybe a little bit less than that. I, and I, I just wanted to pivot over to a book I know that I recommended to you. In, uh, on If you're listening to our previous shows, we did do a show at the beginning of the year where Ron and I talk about our best books of 2019. And on my list was a was a book called "The Case Against Reality" by Donald Hoffman, and I noticed that uh, let's see, the April fourteenth, so just three days ago, you posted a review. Have you just finished it, or would you, is that did you just get a chance to review it then?
0: Yeah, I just had a chance. I, I finished about a, a month ago, I guess it is. Um, thank you for recommendation because you did recommend it to me, and I about a year ago or whatever. And I know that you've been h- real high on it, but I just I just was blown away. Um, so there's a lot of science of the brain and consciousness and all this stuff in the, in the, in the book. And, and it, I think it ties into the big bad data thing where our brains are wired to actually lie to us in important ways to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, um, that is a bear And it has big teeth. And so, although I'm not really seeing all the different, all the reality of the bear, I'm just getting an icon of a bear. And uh, my, what is it?
1: Fit before truth? Fitness before truth. Fitness before truth. Yep.
0: Yeah. And so, the fitness before truth is I don't really know the details of the molecules that make up that bear, but fitness says that icon of a bear, I better. Run like hell or not run, whatever you do what not get eaten. Um, and then, oh, when they, at the beginning of the, the whole book, it talks about they sliced the brain in half mm-hmm. for, in the, was it the 50s or 40s before they, for epilepsy patients? Do you remember that story? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And they, they were, it was very effective on curing epilepsy before there was much science around how to, be more specific. And, um, so it, it, really goes into how the brain is wired, how we're, um, both physically wired to, uh, to make decisions, uh, but also how we are, I guess culturally wired to make conclusions about whatever it is we are. I I don't want to use the word seeing, but I'll use it because it means seeing, feeling, touching, whatever. Uh, Hearing, uh, w- w- our, our brains are really just lying to us, but they're helping us with fitness to get through life.
1: Yep. And this, the, the second half of the theory is the interface theory of perception where our, our world like a desktop computer, and that's where you're saying it's an icon. But in your review, and this is what I wanted to ask you about with the few minutes that we have left, mm-hmm. you, yep. you talk at the end how it's helped you further your th- thinking about creativity and what is what does consciousness mean for robots. Mm-hmm. And the last sentence is, I'm pretty sure we'll create robots that we won't be able to distinguish from conscious beings. Yes. And – so, and, and so so my my question is what led you to that conclusion because I've kind of come to the exact opposite conclusion so I think it was really cool that, that oh, cool. We, yeah, we, yeah. we thought through that yep yeah.
0: yeah well I mean uh, we are already seeing just incredible work in robotics that you know is progressing uh, but but beyond the physical robot uh, and the texture of the skins that they're putting on and the facial mo- they're getting better and better. So I'm pretty sure they're going to continue to get better, 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 better at that. And they may fool some people. Um, but I also see why you would say, no, no, they'll never fool me completely. They can fool me, you know, some of the time kind of thing. <laughs> Not all the people all the time. Um, so, but I, there's no doubt in my mind that, that that is the pursuit of those who are developing robotics and AI and machine learning is to make it so that they're indistinguishable from, from a real human.
1: Yeah. And I just, I just don't think that we get there from the, the, just from the notion that, look, I, I can't prove your consciousness. Right. So, so how is it that I'm going to go about proving the consciousness of this, this robot? I I guess you say it could fool us, but we, but then we, we still wouldn't know because we can't prove consciousness in another being anyway.
0: Well, okay. So, man, this could go <laughs> deep. Yeah. So, like, you don't know that I'm not a robot, and I don't know that of you.
1: No, I could be very, i was a very, what's called, I love this word, solipsistic, which is I'm, I'm inventing everything. I'm inventing the entirety of reality, which if I had to invent you, Doug, that would make me really weird. Oh,
0: <laughs> so, but yeah, what is consciousness? What is waking up? And what is sleep? And what is this um, how is it that they can put us to sleep in drugs and and then wake us up? And what is this thing, this conscious thing? Yeah. I, I it's so untouchable to me. anyway, well, and, oh, I, and I, I just
1: just love I just love his notion that and this is his that the fund the fundamental element of the world is not space time but rather consciousness, and that's the thing that really just blew my mind with the book is oh, is, is trying yeah. to wrap your mind around that because the thing we see the thing we touch the thing we most perceive is face as space time and I think what he does just does a great job with is using evolution evolution to prove his theory which I think is in- incredible
0: <laughs> and it gets so wonky throughout the book in these areas so for those of you who might want to read this be prepared to sit and listen carefully <laughs>
1: So definitely- Great stuff. Well, let, let's move off. I've, we've only got two minutes left with you. I want to ask you, what What are your thoughts on what you're seeing in the accounting market space now? I mean, uh, you probably don't pay as much attention, obviously, as you once did, but mm-hmm. what, 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 are your, what are your thoughts as you just kind of scan out and about around that?
0: Yeah. Well, I think we have a continuation of the same as it always was software. Sorry to uh, uh, impugn any software companies, but um, What I mean by this is I still don't see the incumbent software companies uh, 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 evolving or revolutionizing the way they're doing things. And so the solutions they're presenting to the accounting profession or to the the small businesses uh, is really just digitizing what we've always done. And what I'm just waiting for is, let's do it completely differently and make it much more truth. Uh, Let me get concrete here. Why is a balance sheet and an income statement so important? It is absolute garbage to most users and consumers of that information, Uh, meaning a banker. I mean, but, but we're all opted in on, this is what we're gonna decide Uh, to use to measure the health of a company and the way we're going to do is we're going to record these transactions so I kind of want to blow it all up and start all over Um, I've talked about the long time ago and people just roll their eyes at me fine that's good Uh, I like that because I rolling eyes is, is 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 helpful in the early part because it it shows me I'm probably onto something And and the vision I see is why do we have two, uh, between two trading partners, why do they both keep a general ledger for their own business? Why don't we have one ledger in the sky and it could be the blockchain ledger in the sky. My debit is your credit and uh, it um, it is publicly available, but not identifiable necessarily. Uh, but I can certainly pull data from that chain that's immutable and accurate to create a dashboard, if you will, of my business's health. And it might be a balance sheet and it might be an income statement or it might be other things we can't even conceive of just yet. Um, but, but we're all basically doubling the amount of data that we both uh, – well, if I put a transaction in mine, that same transaction goes in yours – My debit and mine is your credit and yours. And and that's twice as much work, twice as much effort um, on the same exact event, which was uh, I paid you some money or you paid me some money.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll let, I'll let Ron pick this up after after our break. And I think, Doug, I, I'm in lockstep with you. And if anything has pointed this out to us the last three weeks about balance sheet and income statement, which is the banks weren't necessarily asking for that. They weren't didn't want to know where the cash was flowing. That's what they did, want to know, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But we have a I'll take our last break now. I want to remind you to get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at varisage.com. Also, please note the Patreon site, patreon.com slash TSOE, where you can listen to our bonus episodes that Ron and I do after each show, as well as occasionally midweek. And then also this show without commercial interruption. But right now, a word from our sponsor and Greg Kite.
4: us on Twitter at Voice America Trn. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
1: Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients.
4: Tuned into the Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag #AskTSOE. Now back to the Soul of Enterprise.
2: Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Doug Slater and, and Doug just to finish off your conversation there with Ed. I found a couple things interesting. Couldn't agree with you more that we need to just blow the whole thing up and start over. And. I- I think you're right. I think the triple entry uh, accounting that is made possible by the blockchain is is the route. But the other thing you said in there that I absolutely love was when people roll their eyes, you know you're on to something. That is so true. When people are scared of a new idea, that's how you know it's a great idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's – I think um, – well, I'm trying to think it was Steve Jobs or anyway, some of the best inventors ever have said that over and over say, they no, they're onto something. I think it was Thomas Edison.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The dog barks at what he doesn't understand. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And then
2: they ridicule
0: you because they think you're an idiot and they, they try to say, ah, the guy's off the planet or whatever.
2: Great. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's not to say that I'm not as concerned about, is this really true going to happen? You know, and there's, we're always course correcting here too. When I, when I think of say a statement like that and then I say, well, could that really work? And, you know, cause it's still, it's still in process. So.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to like Monty Python says, and now for something completely different. One of our prior guests on the show was economist Tyler Cowen on a, and on his show, he does this thing called overrated underrated and he throws a bunch of topics at his guests and he asks them to explain if it's overrated or underrated and why. Right. Now, of course you can pass on any of these topics uh, if you don't want to answer, but I'm just going to throw maybe a dozen things at you. TED talks overrated or underrated? Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love I really it. Can... I was trying trying to think how I'd answer that. I probably yeah. would have said the same thing. Yeah. I,
0: uh, my first reaction was really overrated. I just think, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little overrated. But then there's some really good ideas I've gotten from some of them. So it depends on who's doing it, I suppose.
2: <laughs> right, right. That's, a, that's very true. Living in California.
0: Wow. <laughs> Could you do and I do. Um, well, I will, I'm going to say overrated because there are wonderful places on this planet and I just happen to be a Californian, and so I just think of I love where I live, but you know, uh, the tax to death stuff and the uh, it's 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 uh, the busy uh, freeways and all that stuff, and uh, I just feel like we're we've kind of milked this thing dry, and I I don't like that, but I don't know what to do about it.
2: Yeah, how often can you pluck the the golden goose, right? Yep. the Masters.
0: You mean the golf masters, right? Yes. Oh, that's way underrated.
2: <laughs> Are you bummed that they didn't run it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I had an opportunity to go to the masters uh, about 4 years ago with Clayton Notes, a good friend of mine from Australia. He went and I didn't. It was like, wait, there's. Oh, wow. backwards. It was his it was his birthday, his 45th birthday. We could have gone and just really done. And I had just retired that year, 2015, 16, whatever.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, let me ask an offshoot of that. Pebble Beach Golf Course.
0: Oh, totally underrated. Uh, when you go down there, you will see the most beautiful creation of the earth that or the God or whatever. Just everything works down there. It's just beautiful. The course itself, but also the surrounding area, is just absolutely a place to go get in touch with yourself.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a magical place. Retirement.
0: Well, I'm gonna say underrated because I believe that it is the thing that we basically work our whole life to do. But the problem many people have is they didn't prepare um either financially or but forget financial for a minute because that's Everybody struggles financially over their life for whatever reason. But the more important thing is emotionally. Um, for me, I had a really strong vision 10, 15 years before I retired uh, about, well, what would I do? Um, because I didn't have any hobbies because I was working too hard. And I, uh, uh, you know, owning your own business, you never have a minute because there's always some more work to do, go do and something better that you could create Uh, Anyway, so I said, well, when that stops, what will I do? And it's woodworking for me. Um, Other people play golf. I'm playing golf some too. Other people, you know, do crafts or something. It's, It's critical to have a reason to live once you don't have work to do for somebody else.
2: Right. Yeah, great answer. Donald Trump.
0: Underrated. So... The thing about him is, I hate what he says, but I love what he does. Uh, And you know, there's there's a thousand more things I could say specifically, but it just I'm so sick of what the press and the culture has done with what he says. And I wish he would just get a clue in terms of not making all these unforced errors uh, by by talking too much. so he's a megalomaniac. He's all sorts of things, but underrated in terms of what our country has gotten with his leadership.
2: Right. Yeah. Greg Gutfeld said he's bull in the China shop, but no China has been broken. <laughs> like a good way to think about it. How about Apple? Apple Inc.
0: Yeah. Well, underrated. Um, you know i worked there in the 80s i was on the team that did the mac se and the mac 2 and the and the macintosh fx um, and all the software around that but today's apple isn't that apple but it's steve's dna is in that company and it runs through uh, everything they do the 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 out of box experience the elegant design the Everything they do is just better. Um, and that being said, I don't use Mac. Well, I do have a Mac, and I, but I mostly use PCs, which is it kind of strange. <laughs> <But>
2: anyway, <laughs> do you use an iPhone?
0: I use iPhone and iPad and things. Yeah. Anyway, so I think underrated because I still think that company is doing things that really still are changing the world, and they can do it better than anybody else. Now, at the same time, I can say, well, what Amazon is doing is absolutely unbelievable. Um, not a fan of Google and Facebook, uh, but did you read the book? I think it's The Four? Yeah. The Four, Oh, right? yeah.
2: Yeah. I've read did you Redu- of that book. <laughs> I did not read it.
0: Uh, you guys got to review that book. Did I review it? I can't remember, but I read it. It's scary. Mm. The Power Invested in, what is it? Uh, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft.
2: Right, right. And Google.
0: So maybe it's the five, it's the four, or five. Right.
2: They, Fang or whatever. They they have an acronym for it. <laughs> it keeps... <laughs> yeah. How about uh, last last minute or thirty seconds actually? Income inequality.
0: Yeah, I guess the question I have. Well, so you want me to say over or underrated? Yeah, I think that is uh, way overrated. Because it's once again, it's one of these uh, data, throw data at people and make them emotion respond emotionally and then get have guilty or either envy because they're they're on the unequal side or or guilty because they're too successful. I mean, what are we trying to say when we say you this person didn't get the same result as that Are we supposed to say is it supposed to tell us? We need to make a goal of everybody's outcome being exactly the same. I mean, come on, what do you really want?
2: Good luck. Well, Doug, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and we're definitely going to have you back. We could talk to you forever about some of these issues, but Ed, what do we have coming up next week?
1: Next week, Ron, we are interviewing Dr. Amir Azari from uh, to talk about her work that she's done with the first cell. And cancer.
2: Excellent. I'll see you in 167 hours.
1: This has been the Soul of Enterprise business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, that's 1 p.m. Pacific. But in the meantime, please visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.